Welcome to another episode of the Big MX Radio Podcast. If you're listening to this on the podcast, we'll also be putting this on IGTV. So if you want to watch along, you can go to BradGebhart88 on Instagram and check things out. Hey to Bryce who just came in. Um, and this is also going to be Instagram Live. We're going to try and do these uh, either the night of the race, uh, right after the checkered flag falls. Uh, shout out to Lucas as well for watching, as well as Evan Turlicky. Um, and we're also going to try and do these um, as as a podcast as well. So if you want to listen to it on, in audio form, you want to walk around, you want to uh, listen to this while you're driving, uh, it's available on iTunes as well as Spotify uh, and also at, at BigMXRadio.com. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt, and I guess uh, this is the Houston 3 recap review um, I had an awesome time watching this race. Uh, if you're not playing Publimex Fantasy, uh, you need to because it makes the, the heat races and the qualifiers that much more exciting. Um, but I wanted to sort of comb through the results here and give my thoughts on uh, how things really shook out. And let's start off with um, the, the guy that everybody's talking about, and it's not the leader, it's not even the guy who got second, it's Dean Wilson. Dean Wilson... A lapper, uh, not his best performance on the night, but uh, an 11th place finish is sort of what you'd expect from Dean, especially uh, with how deep this field is right now. Um, and unfortunately, about uh, the unfortunate thing about uh, Dean on this particular night is that um, when he uh, fell to the, the the leaders and got lapped, uh, he found himself right in the way and uh, completely unaware that he was about to be taken. Uh, overtaken by the leaders, uh, he didn't put himself in the best position to uh, to concede that spot. He held up uh, Ken Roxon, who was at that time the leader, over two straightaways. Where you know that uh, Ken is is revving his bike, he's yelling, he's trying to get by. It's very urgent. Um, apparently, from what Dean said in his uh, very remorse, remorseful. Uh, Instagram post that he was completely unaware, needs to be more aware, and he was sorry about that. Um, he's He's been absolutely thrashed online, and uh, I was really disappointed to see that. Like, in the world of cyber bullying, uh, this actually does qualify. Like, um, the reality is the, the, the results of these races are not um, anything... Like it's it's just a race. Like it, as as much as we we love watching these races and we love um, staying on top of things, and we have favorite riders and we want our our favorite riders to do well. Of course, fans of Ken Roxon, you're upset. You you want your guy to win, but at the cost of uh, basically verbally uh, abusing um, Dean Wilson on uh, on this particular day, I was pretty disappointed to see that. And uh, yeah, like it it just wasn't wasn't a good look for a lot of fans of the sport, a lot of people who uh, pride themselves on um, on just loving the sport and seeing how it all unfolds. I was really disappointed to see that Zach, um, or Dean Wilson had himself a bad night and he got in the way at the worst possible time. Uh, there to capitalize on that was Cooper Webb. Cooper Webb led three laps of this main event. I assume he led the first two considering he got the whole shot and led the, uh, he started out first. But the most important one that he led was the last lap. He made that pass on the last lap with about 10, not even five corners to go. Um, he was able to basically ride defensively for that last quarter lap and made it stick and takes the win. And he becomes the third different winner in a row. Now we've had Barsha, Tomac, 
and Webb win races, all of which have been all over the map with their finishes. Um, in fact, Ken Roxon is now your points leader and his average finish is a third. Uh, Barsha average finish, uh, 4.7. Same thing with Cooper Webb. They're both tied at 59 points, only one point down. Your top three separated by one point. Um, and then your top your top six, are, are including Justin Brayton, are uh, are separated by only nine points. Uh, ten points going back to eighth place was Dylan Ferrandez, who started the night in second point, second in points. He now finds himself in the eighth place spot. That's just how crazy it's been. Uh, Dylan getting twelfth on the night uh, definitely going to hurt that, uh, that that his his points uh, situation. But let, let's get back into the the four fifty class quickly here. Um, it's not too often where you see the first, second, and third place guys get the literally be in that order on the first lap. Really crazy to see. I was surprised to see it as well, especially with how deep this field is and how competitive it is. You'd think that guys are going to be able to move forward. Uh, of course, Ken leading 23 of these laps. They did 26 of them, fewer than uh, the weekend or the, the Tuesday race where they did 29. But still, only three laps different is actually pretty surprising considering it was the, the lap time difference was almost seven seconds. Um, but uh, Barsha, not the greatest of starts. Seventh, and that, that doesn't sound like that bad of a start, but seventh in this field means that you have to you have to work your way past guys like Osborne and Anderson and uh, Aaron Plessinger, who had a better start as well. Uh, and those guys don't give up the position easily at all. They're, they're fighters, they wanna move forward, and they have a lot of pride in, in how they finish these races. Barsha, uh, I believe, went down at, um, for a short bit, or maybe that was in the heat race. Uh, but he was able to move up up to fourth place. Um, Tomac, on, unfortunately, like he wins on Tuesday, and then just uh, really surprised to see Tomac not move forward, not be able to catch those guys up the front. Uh, he had himself some issues throughout the night, and with the start of tenth. Uh, basically, he was—he had the worst start of anybody that started in the top ten or finished in the top ten. Uh, moving up to the sixth-place spot, great for him to be able to move to there. But currently sitting in fourth in points, like it's—it's it's not terrible. Six points is def is uh, is a better position than he's been in, in most of these seasons uh, after three rounds. But uh, and he's of course the defending champ, uh, given that fact. But the reality is, is that uh, Eli Tomac needs to be more consistent. He needs to be at the front, and he needs to figure out those starts. Otherwise, uh, he's going to be mired in the middle of the pack, uh, fighting through these extremely talented guys throughout this entire season, and that's going to be a problem for him. Uh, shout out to Malcolm Stewart. Uh, I think if you if you ask most people to rack these guys up and say uh, like where would um, Malcolm fit in, he's probably somewhere around the eight nine range. He slates in here last night. Uh, in, in the sixth place spot, he started out fifth. He only moved one st one spot back. Really strong ride from him. He's been fighting for every position, which is really cool. Uh, and he had that whoop speed. I know the the whoops got uh, knocked down quite a bit uh, throughout the main event, but uh, early in the night, that was a spot where Malcolm Stewart was uh, really really strong. Uh, and his teammate. Aaron Plessinger. Aaron came on uh, a number of podcasts, mine excluded, because uh, I didn't ask him for an interview, but I did talk to him uh, during the press conference, and he showed a lot of confidence. Um, Plessinger, obviously, he had a 20, 
2019 to write home about, or no, maybe that was 2018. He had double championship in the 250s, unbelievable season, uh, moves up to the 450s, and it's been butt ugly since, uh, which has been which has basically been uh, dotted with all kinds of injuries and stuff like that. You really can't um, fault him for those, but he hasn't even been able to come back to his championship form. I think this is a step in the right direction, given the fact that he qualified 11th, which isn't great, but he, he it was a, a good place for him. It's, it's obviously it's a bit better than he's been doing. He started in the fourth place spot. He finishes seventh, uh, which means he was right in the in the battle with those guys. Uh, Unfortunately, the best position he's had for the season so far from your 2018 champion in uh, Jason Anderson, he looks off. Anderson does not seem to be himself right now. Uh, I think he's definitely uh, maybe lacking a bit of fitness, and something's going on with Jason Anderson that we're not that we don't know about. Um, a lot of people will point to the fact that he's not on the Alden Baker program. A lot of people will point out that uh, he's like the the team pride program doesn't seem to be working as well as it as well as the Elden Baker program did for him in 2018. He sort of does his thing. You know that uh, for the most part, Jason is uh, is a free spirit and sort of wants to uh, make his own decisions a lot of those things. Uh, unfortunately, that doesn't seem to be working for him in the best right now. Uh, but he was able to edge out his uh, all of his teammates, which I guess if you're the if you're the highest placing uh, Husqvarna rider, I think things are working in the right direction. Unfortunately, eighth is not going to cut it for most uh, for most team managers. Um, Zach Osborne, and it's been said on the uh, by Steve Mathis on his podcast as well, the fastest man to ever go 10-10-9, ever perhaps. Um, but unfortunately, he started out 11th. He finishes. He finishes in the ninth spot. Um, just like you expect better, especially consider like the the 450 uh, champion from only a few months ago uh, and winning the last race. He hasn't been close to that yet. Uh, I think there's been some arm pepish arm pump issues uh, a little bit here and there, and with the fact that they're running a brand new shock, uh, that's got to be a change that um, that Zach either either is not going to yet and he's not unsure to go there especially with the lack of testing uh, on that particular shock or uh, he has gone to it and um, and, he, and he's, it's not working out for him just yet uh, you round out the top 10 with the number 10 Justin Brayton 36 years old I think he's almost 37 and just still just getting it done like tons of guys behind him who would love to be a top 10 guy and that's why he's sitting sixth in points um, really strong rides. He's been really consistent, and um, I think that uh, that just speaks volumes to his professionalism and his ability to put his uh, his muck off Honda uh, in the right spots. And I think he's been rewarded for it. Uh, just combing through the back half of the top the, the top twenty here, uh, Dean Wilson. We talked about him. If you said something mean about him on social media, especially if you tagged him, you're a piece of shit uh, because Dean Wilson, completely unbeknownst to him. He made a mistake. Ever made a mistake? Well, it happened to him. Uh, and, and I was really bummed to see so many people get so upset with him and uh, and just be basically uh, really uh, just just pound. And the, the piling on was probably the thing that, that bugged me the most is that people were uh, just almost seemed like it was a trendy thing to do was to trash on Dean Wilson last night. And that wasn't cool whatsoever. I think you guys uh, really uh, like the more more than likely all of those apps are deleted off of his phone at least for the rest of the week uh, until things blow over and that's just shitty um uh, a salvage night for uh, for Marvin Muscan he started out bad and then like bad things happen when you're gonna start in the back of the pack 
Uh, he ends up going down on the second or third lap uh, in traffic. I think I was in the second lap uh, and basically ended up last um, right off the hop. He did well to pass a lot of guys. I had him in Pulpamex Fantasy, and he's pretty much the only guy that uh, held my team back from having an unbelievable score. Uh, but 13th for Marvin. Um, that basically puts him in the exact same position that uh, Tomac was in on the first night at H1. Uh, 13th, uh, not where he wants to be. That definitely sets him back in points. He now sits 9th. Uh, 9th in points and 12 points back of the lead, which is crazy. These guys are so tight. Um, but definitely hurts him for the night. Uh, solid ride from Joey Savacci. Most people wouldn't su wouldn't suspect that he'd be in the fourth, 14th place spot or even consider that to be a good spot, uh, rather. But honestly, a great ride from uh, from Joey. He he puts himself ahead of guys like Benny Bloss, Martin Davalos, Brock Tickle. Um, Tickle, like, he, he's never had great starts. He's always been a guy that struggles with those types of things, and I think that's, that's rearing its ugly head in such a deep field where if you get a bad start, you're not going to be able to move forward. Um... And, and it's it's just uh, it, it's basically an uphill battle right now for uh, for Brock, who started out 18th and he ends up 17th. Like he probably made more than one pass throughout the night, uh, but at some point, like his uh, Martin Davalos was down early. He started out, he qualified eighth. He started eighth, ends up 16th. Salvaged the night after uh, uh, early uh, early race crash. Uh, he ends up 16th. Um, didn't pay off as much as he could have in Pulp MX Fantasy. I think I, sh I would have predicted him somewhere around the 10th spot. Um, an eventful night for Vince Freezy, uh, given the fact that he ate shit in the whoops. Um, hey, Ryden. Ryden's a hockey fan uh, from, uh, from here in Winnipeg. Doesn't live too far away from me. Um, actually got some hockey cards for you if, if you uh, want to DM me there, big guy. Um, but uh, Justin Bogle... Ninth off the start, he worked his way. He somehow worked his way back to twentieth. Uh, not where he wants to be whatsoever. And moving back like that is definitely going to uh, going to sting. You know he wants to be uh, somewhere closer to the top ten. He is a two fifty champion in this class. Not in this class, but he's, he's a two fifty champion, much like a lot of the guys in this class are. In fact, I'm looking at uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Uh, 9, 10, 10, 11, 12 champions in a list of 12, uh, 22 riders. 12 of them have a 250 champion. A couple of them have two championships, and that excludes um, uh, both Cian Cerullo and uh, and Dean Wilson, who both did not get championships, although won lots of races. Same thing with uh, Martin Davalos and Joey Savacci. So if you want to if you want to throw those guys in the mix, who probably should have had championships, you're talking about 15 guys out of a out of a class of 22 riders that could have got in. Last two guys I want to give a shout out to. Uh, they're both from California. They both uh, put it in the main, uh, although I guarantee not too many people picked them. Austin Politelli, Carlin Gardner. I was seriously considering picking Gardner just because he's been so close and he usually qualifies well. Uh, but he is an absolute, uh, uh, like just a coin toss to make it into the main through the LCQ. Sometimes he gets great starts, sometimes he's mired in the back of the pack. He was able to capitalize on basically uh, just an absolute fumble. Of a, of a last corner from Cade Clayson, who uh, Cade gave him way too much room on the inside, tried to square it up, and ended up taking himself down, and uh, Carlin go, goes on to, uh, to take the spot in the main event. 
Um, so good on him. Let's move over to the 250 class and, and talk, talk, talk about how that championship is going. Uh, and there's a lot to talk about in the 250s. First and foremost, I want to start out talking about the 250s with this. Austin Forkner is, in my opinion, one of the most talented, fastest, and uh, odds-on favorite to win basically any championship that he enters in the 250 class based on skill, talent, and speed alone. Everything else, all of his other intangibles, however, are out the window. Uh, Austin Forkner, love the guy, super passionate, tons of speed, tons of skill, but this kid can't stay off the ground. Um, he always pushes it during qualifying. He wants to have that super fast lap, and it seems to always, at least once a season, and it, it soon turns out that it, it only he only gets once a season. It's always a big one where he he uh, he he falls. He and he 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 just he he's made out of glass. The guy he hits the ground, whether it's a knee or a leg or a shoulder or a, uh, in this case it was a collarbone. He, he clips the back end in, in qualifying, goes over the bars, takes it all to his shoulder. That, that mechanism immediately, I know I talked to a few people that were surprised that he, broke, that he broke his collarbone. This podcaster, not surprised whatsoever. Basically, what happens with the collarbone is if you get impact from the side, that's so much pressure on that collarbone to basically structurally hold that everything together and it's going to snap. It's basically this, the, the the size of a pen, and it's uh, and yeah, it's strong, it's bendy, but not when you put that kind of pressure on it. And he also got punished by the bike a little bit. Went straight to hospital. That's the rest of his season. See it outdoors, and um, that immediately uh, started to thin the field. Like you think about that, like that's another factory guy that's no longer there, and now we only have six factory riders in the field, and those guys literally went one through six in tonight's main event or last night's main event um on top of that uh, a broken hand for rj hampshire he misses a race like his hands in a cast they race again in seven days i don't see him uh, being able to rejoin this championship especially after having a a, a lackluster or a, a, a just a bad result at uh, h2 uh because of austin forkner and then uh, he misses round three I don't think you see him until outdoors, and that's a huge knock to, uh, and it's detrimental to the quality of this particular series. That's now basically a three-horse race. It's Colt Nichols. It's your three winners, actually. It's Christian Craig, Colt Nichols, and Jet Lawrence are going to basically fight it out for who's going to win this championship. And honestly, your guess is as good as mine. There's been certain nights and certain qualifying sessions where Jet Lawrence looks like an absolute superstar, a champion in the making, and he moves forward. There's also times where he looks he looks 17. He looks like a guy who's still not yet done making his uh, his rookie mistakes. It's, it's tough to watch sometimes, but at other times, he's absolutely flawless. He rides with confidence, and he, he moves forward. Third on the night, uh, he... Didn't get the best of starts, and that's what hurt him. Um, Jet Lawrence, um, like, although it's not the the deepest field in the world, when you have to move through guys like Joe Shimoda and Michael Moseman, uh, Shimoda does not like to get past. He is sneaky fast and super defensive when he rides. And then, uh, honestly, uh, Michael Moseman, equally difficult to get by, and you saw proof of that when... Um, 
Jet Lawrence basically had to move him out of the way. And he got talked to by the AMA. It was a slap on the wrist. I didn't think there was going to be a penalty. There, there wasn't. Um, but that was a gnarly move. He moved right into him, uh, took Mosman out. Uh, and I'm surprised that Mosman was still able to finish fifth on the night, given how how much of a, uh, a takeout move that was. Kind of speaks volumes to how much further ahead those guys were. Uh, but I don't want to get too far into the 250s without giving a tip of the cap, and I'm going to have him on the podcast this week, to the 64 of Colt Nichols out of Marietta, California. I don't think he's, that's where he lives right now. He's not from there. He's from Oklahoma. Uh, doing it for all his buddies back in Oklahoma. Uh, qualified six, started out second. He just stalked his teammate. Uh, Christian Craig, in all of his powers, I still think that he has a little, like, he, he's fit. Don't get me wrong. He's fit. He can go 15 minutes. But I think he faded just a, a tiny bit, and then they got into some lappers, which you know they're going to, and uh, Nichols was able to uh, kind of like hop his way through there just a little bit more gingerly, uh, put the pass on Craig, and I think that, that you can just see the, the the body language from Craig would tell you that he wasn't ready to, to relinquish that spot. It really bugged him. Shoulders started to slump. He, they had a good gap back to, uh, to, to Jet Lawrence, and that was curtains for the night. He looked frustrated on the on the podium as as he should. Uh, he shouldn't have let that that uh, race slide. Uh, but um, all things considered, uh, a good night for uh, for Christian Craig and Colt Nichols, who now sit at seventy points, both under the same truck, and will go into Indianapolis tied in points. That we've never seen. We have never seen the points lead shared by two guys on the same team there uh, i don't know if there's gonna be animosity but they got two bikes into that truck and they're both gonna have the red plate pretty wild to see um and so let, let's move through for uh, for let's go go back through the the results a little bit more and see what else that 250 class looked like as far as a picture that we get to see the 30 of joe shimona like i said sneaky fast and he pushes that bike uh, and I, I think that he's, he's been getting faster and faster in qualifying as well. He qualified eighth, but that's through the heat races. That's not actually his qualifying spot uh, in, the, in, the, in time qualifying. He's, a good, he's, he, he's got some serious speed. He started out sixth. He worked his way up to fourth place. Uh, I think that's good for fourth in points as well. Uh, and it is. Uh, in fact, your, your, your top six in, uh, in points is also the top six for this race. And I think that's what is going to continue. I don't see... Josh, uh, Josh Osby, John Short, uh, Kevin Morans. I don't see those guys being able to move forward and and actually challenge any of those six. Like that's a dividing line as far as like talent and support level versus from the the Suzuki Bar X and the and your your uh, Phoenix Hondas uh, over um, your basically full factory dudes um they're they're gonna like awesome for osby great i think that's a career best in supercross for john short it's it's certainly a career best for kevin morans who ends up ninth had him in pulp mx fantasy no big deal same thing with uh with uh thomas doe and he almost had it he was in the top 10 uh late in the race joshua Bariz, friend of the podcast and uh multi-time repeat offender uh, out of paris california and that's actually where he's from um, the, uh, the 241 in your program, unbelievable ride, really proud to see him do as well as he did. 
uh, in 11th. Uh, if you if you guys aren't familiar with Thomas Doe, he's French. He's from like he's over from France. He's been racing for a long period of time. He's extremely fast. And if he's if he's not on your Pulp Mix Fantasy um, team for the first three weeks, shame on you because the guy is super fast and he's super talented. You should do your homework and figure out where he's at. The only person in Pulp Mix Fantasy that gave me a little bit of a uh, uh, heart attack was Kevin Morans who relinquishes that that position to Grant Harlan in the in the heat race. He has the pattern going to the LCQ, uh, of which he absolutely smoked everybody. It was not even a question. He was able to move forward, and uh, and he he ended up taking, I think, the confidence and the, uh, the momentum of winning that LCQ, put him in the right mindset to basically ride up front, and uh, he ended up, he started eighth, he finished ninth, and in fact, the only people who he really swapped positions with was John Short, the, both of them had good starts, and, and John Short's not really known for having those great starts. Um, they finished eighth and ninth, respectively, great rides from both those guys. Uh, I should have had uh, Short on my team for fantasy, but he hasn't really proved it in Supercross. Unbelievable and super fast in... Um, in outdoors, especially on a 450, but he hasn't showed it until now on a 250 in Supercross. Logan Carnow, the 88 in your program, number one in your hearts uh, for the, uh, I believe he's on the international Supercross uh, team um, with uh, uh, my buddy Bubba Polly. If you watch the broadcast, out of nowhere, Bubba Polly just like, I'm sure known to very few people, but of course he's been on this podcast and he uses uh, Phoenix handlebars. Um, is just part of the, the science of Supercross, which is really, really cool. I, I can't think of a guy who's better spoken uh, in those types of things than Bubba Pauly. He unfortunately didn't make the 450 main event, but uh, the the rest of the the top ten, uh, the top 20, everyone else who made it, uh, the who's who of who are those guys? Because TJ Albright, longtime Kawasaki guy out of New York, uh, but most people like he's he's a bubble guy. Uh, to make it in the main at the best of times, he ends up 13th. Jeremy Hand, Wilson Fleming, who broke all kinds of hearts from uh, the previous rounds in Pulp Mix Fantasy, but he flew the flag for my team and ends up 15th. Lane Shaw, a 16 in Pulp Mix Fantasy, ends up ha having a fantastic night as well, also on my team. Shout out. Luke Nice, the 124 and the 125 of Lane Shaw and the 125 of Luke Nice in 16th and 17th. Another guy, there's, there was, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Shaw, Nice, Harriman, and Bobby Piazza, and I guarantee uh, uh, Jonah Geisler, uh, were all 16 handicaps, and they were all in the main events. Geisler ends up last, uh, but he, he started 18th. I, I don't know if he finishes the race, but the fact that the, both of those guys made their first ever main events, both Bobby Piazza and uh, and and uh, Jonah Geisler, like shout out to both those guys, fantastic, unbelievable, and uh, the only guy that I think that uh, honestly could have had a much better night, he must have had a crash, was uh, was Mitchell Oldenburg. He's on um, that muck off Honda. Uh, he's number forty nine for a reason because he's had that the, he's had great finishes in the past. I would I'm gonna I'm gonna walk back what I said about twenty minutes ago about this top six. If there's anybody who's not on a factory motorcycle, who can challenge somebody who's on a factory motorcycle in this class right now, it's Mitchell Oldenburg. I don't know what he has in terms of, uh, of equipment on that Honda, but if it's worthy, 
I think he can definitely. I think his high water mark for the for this the, the series is going to be a fourth place sp spot. So if you if you're a Mitchell Oldenburg fan, if you're a Mitchell Oldenburg supporter, uh, and you play Pulp MX Fantasy, somebody you might want to have on your uh, radar, given the fact that he is right now tenth in points. He's not going to be an all star, and in this field, uh, in Indy. In uh, in a couple of days' time, I think that he's uh, he's going to uncork one. I would expect him to be uh, inside the top seven. So uh, look out for that. That's it for me here on the Big MX Radio podcast slash Instagram Live. Thanks to those who watched. If you're watching this on IGTV and you got all the way into this portion, as we are currently uh, 28 minutes in, uh, I, I hats off to you for being able to, to stick it out this whole time on IGTV. That means you had Instagram open for a half hour and, and didn't scroll anywhere else. That's pretty impressive, actually. Uh, if you're listening to this on the Big MX Radio podcast on both Spotify and iTunes, uh, shout out to you for checking this out, and I really appreciate the listens. Um, and uh, if you're actually on Big MX Radio, which I, I assume very few people actually go to the website to listen to this, uh, you're one of the very few people who do that, so shout out to you as well. Um, thanks for everyone who watched. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the Indy Supercross coming up in six days. It feels like forever that we're gonna uh, that we have to wait until Indy. Uh, we get spoiled with these races all the time, but uh, it, we'll be back at it in short order. And uh, let's wrap this thing up inside 30 minutes of the Big MX Radio podcast. Marcus Giesbrecht has been watching for the last 25 minutes at least. Uh, for the for this Instagram live shout out to him good friend of mine great people out in Saskatchewan now hope things are good my friend uh, but that's it for me thanks for listening thanks for watching and we'll catch you again after the next round of Monster Energy Supercross <laughs>